Welcome to the Experience Speaks podcast powered by BizStocks, the podcast created to empower career-curious students and ambitious young professionals. Each week, I interview some of the most successful directors, top-level executives, and entrepreneurs in business to hear their experiences of success, failure, and lessons they've picked up along the way. I'm your host, Sean Wolf, and today we sit down with Eli Libby. Eli is the COO and co-founder of Results Imagery, which shoots high-quality products and lifestyle photography and video for e-commerce brands. From a young age, Eli has been obsessed with what invokes a reaction from a photo, product, or marketing campaign. This passion started from a fishing trip, of all things, and led him to become the marketing director for an action sports company called SolID, the creator of a $3 million outdoor adventure e-commerce brand called Winterial, and finally to what he is doing now with Results Imagery. Before we begin, it's important to note that this episode was recorded in two parts at very different times. For the first 30 minutes of the conversation, Eli was still with MarketFleet, the company that owns Winterial. But by the time Eli and I got a chance to sit down and finish the interview, Eli had moved on from Winterial to start his own company, Results Imagery. I make it pretty clear where in this episode we jump to the second part to not cause any confusion. But what is actually really cool in the way this turned out is that in part one, it ends with Eli telling this really awesome story about a once in a lifetime trip he is about to embark on to be on a movie set. In part two, we get to hear all about that trip and what it meant to him after the fact. Anyways, I hope you enjoy this episode because Eli dives into some awesome marketing insights and he talks about the highs and lows that come with starting brands like Winterial and Results Imagery. Eli, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> I really appreciate it and I'm uh, extremely excited to be here. In your biz talk, you told this really passionate and intriguing story. You opened it up with a story about you and your, your father and your grandfather out on a boat throwing out a line and, and fishing. And you can kind of take it away from there yeah. real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of my, my foundings to marketing started when I was really young. So to kind of fill in the gaps where, where Sean left off, uh, one day we were out there on the boat fishing and nothing was biting. We weren't getting anything. I looked in the tackle box and I saw what's uh, called a, a triple teaser. It's a Kind of like a, it's like a lure that has like some flashy dots some rainbow speckles on it. And I asked my dad, I was like, Hey, is that, is it cool to try this out? Because I, I saw that it was kind of flashy and it had something different than we were working with. And then uh, we threw it out there. And next thing we knew we were getting bites and bites and bites and I ended up with all the fish and they got nothing. So what it did for me is it sparked, it had this spark in my head that, that showed that I love finding something that creates a reaction in somebody and that ultimately is where I am today. And that's like my true passion is it, it, it's now it's related into creating content that creates a reaction in people. And that reaction is either, you know, on social, it's an engagement, it's a life, it's a comment, it's a share, or in the world of e-commerce, it's a transaction and it's a credit card being inputted. And those, that is spurred from marketing. And that is what just fires me up. It's truly my oxygen. I, I absolutely love it. Live and breathe it. Live that's amazing. So we hear a lot like go follow your passion, mm -hmm. um, which I would like to 
to dive in in a little bit, but what was the first time where you realized you wanted to get into marketing mm-hmm. and that marketing would be a passion of yours? Yeah. So that is kind of like the spark that I can relate it back to, but the real spark that correlated marketing and, and, and my love for it was flipping through an outside magazine, going through it and, and I was checking out the trips and they have a, it's an amazing magazine if you haven't read it. And I opened it up and I, I see this full cover ad and the ad uh, is a GoPro ad. Has this has this? Uh, there's a skier named Tom Wallish, and he was doing this front flip, and he's holding the camera out in front of him. And at that moment, I, it hit me. I'm like, man, that probably sold. Like, how many people thought that they could do that? And then they go to GoPro's website and they buy because of how you know vibrant the image was, the clarity, the just the the talent that it takes to do that. And it really sparked something in my head. But I guarantee that it just works kind of across the board for a ton of people. And that was the, because it kind of mixed my passion with action sportsmen and kind of photography and that whole media creation part. And to see that in the magazine was, uh, I, I can just, I can picture it now. And I see that I see the photo and pff, it was like the hero three launch or hero three black camera. And I, I can see it now. It's amazing. <laughs> it's just such an amazing photo. Yeah. I, you, you pulled it up on your biz mm-hmm. talk yep. and the, the funny part too was that you're one of the people yeah. who spent yeah. the four hundred dollars. Yeah. You know, you can't do the backflips that exactly that you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember yeah, looking at it and next thing you know, there's you know, four hundred dollars shot out of my account somehow. I'm like, wow, that worked. That was marketing in its in its entirety right there. <laughs> so that was the first time that you realized it as a person on the the consumer side. Mm-hmm. But what was your first act of actual marketing? So the act of actual marketing came through Soul ID. Okay. Like purely, uh, it was it was a combination of actually, if I back it up even more, mm-hmm. it was in Delta Sigma Pi. It was working on creating content that got people in the door. So there's a speaker and I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but it was a professional event that we put on and we brought a speaker in to, to Adam speak. Adam Carroll? Yes, Adam yeah. Carroll. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And Great I was guy. the marketing director of the fraternity and I remember creating flyers and doing you know, social posts and email blasts and class talks. And I kind of led this division of, of, of marketing and there was a pretty good turnout. And I remember at the end of the show, he came up to me and his mom was there. And anyways, they both told me, they're like, we really appreciate how many people you packed into this theater. Like that was a moment to me that was really reassuring. Like, man, the work I saw it pay off and I saw people reacting to the content that I put out there and how I was phrasing it and how we were you know, putting flyers out there and what the email looked like actually created reactions of people to come. And then I saw that gratifying feeling when he and his mom were like, hey, thank you very much for packing this stadium. Or it wasn't, it was like a little auditorium. <laughs> a stadium. stadium. Yeah, it's a little, <laughs> little off auditorium. <laughs> and uh, that was kind of the first probably moment that I realized, okay, I have kind of a gift in this or at least a passion for it. And then that's kind of where things started to escalate and, you know, hockey stick up to the right. So let's dive into Soul ID a little bit more because in your talk, you talked Mm -hmm. throughout your life, you've had this passion for what you realized is marketing. Mm -hmm. And then you've also had this other passion, which is action sports. Mm -hmm. Is Soul ID the first point where those two clash together? Definitely is. So it was a combination of combining the, the passion in action sports with the passion in, in marketing. And that all kind of 
spurred from my childhood growing up. I grew up right outside of Salt Lake City, hiking, mountain biking, skiing, almost, you know, right in the backyard. And then with my passion for marketing, you know, fishing, and then seeing how I loved content creation, that was just literally the the perfect moment and perfect blend where it came together. And I mean, it was, it was just, there nothing could, I can't even, there's no words that describe how perfect the combination was between the passion driven people that we were working with for Soul ID as well as the content and what we were all about. And that really was just the moment where it all came together. Yeah, it it was a really it was a really fun time. What would be the number one highlight that you would oh, man. back from that? Oh, there's there's so many. If I had to pick one, oh man. I'm I'm actually gonna highlight two real quick and I'm gonna touch on both of them because oh they're both so impactful to me. The first event that we ever went to, founder um, Ben Sampson and I went to an arena cross event in uh, Sacramento. And we had media passes and I had worked with a coordinator to get us kind of behind the scenes. And it was our first time carrying cameras, which we really were very, very early on in the stage of learning about cameras. And we had these huge lenses that we were borrowing and we tried to look like we knew what we were doing. And we had people coming up to us in the pit saying, man, those hats, like, how can I get a hat? That logo is amazing. And we kind of started to get that gut check feeling, okay, this is working. And then we walked through the King's locker room and we're like, okay, this is pretty real. And then we walk from the locker room where the King's kind of the basketball team walks out and we're on the track. And motocross um, is hands down my favorite action sport. There's a lot of things that I, I love about it, but to be on the dirt and to be on the start gate with these athletes and interacting with them, and it was amazing. And then, you know, the gate drops and we're standing on the track and we're, you know, there's thousands of people and somehow we're standing there with a media pass walking <laughs> through the track. And I, it was just a surreal moment. And then after we were interviewing the leaders and the winners on the podium and getting sprayed with champagne, I was like, this is a dream. Like, how am I even here? And that was really the, it is the first event we went to. And that was the, uh, a spark. And then, and then just to touch on another quick one, it was that do tour in Breckenridge. And I was standing there with other co-founder, Greg Bellinger. We were, or at the end of the half pipe and Sean White threw one of the best runs he's thrown. It wasn't a hundred, but it was like a 98, 99. And I was standing right next to him as they called his name. And he turned around, gave me a fist bump and he was just stoked. Was like, Let's go shot. And we were bumping, bumping fists. And he, I have a video of it and it was just, again, surreal moment. My favorite snowboard athlete. I gave a fist bump to right as he walked on the podium. Like that was just, there's, those are two moments that, of the million moments that we had, those are two that just stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah, I mean, meeting meeting some of your childhood heroes right there. Hands down, bumping shoulders. Yeah, that's uh, it's pretty epic. Yeah. Can't get better than that. Mm-mm. <laughs> so Soul ID ended up failing, mm-hmm. but great experiences for us. But we all put our you know blood, tears, sweat, heart into that company and especially for you where you're combining to your passions. What did it feel like to have that fail when you're so passionate about it? Yeah. Like I'm always like a glass half full guy. And yeah, you are. Yeah. Oh, everything is always positive. There's always a positive light. And I never look at it as like a failure, even though we didn't, we're not living the dream. I'm not hanging out with Sean White tonight. I met the best group of people that I've ever met in my life. And 
I had the experience that I've I couldn't get anywhere else. So to have it not work out is really just a it's just a a thing on the side to me. It was a priceless experience that what I got from it was what I call my gateway drug into entrepreneurship and my gateway drug into where is my true passion and the true passion lies in action sports and marketing. And that was like what I took from it at the end of the day. So even though it's it's not, you know, around anymore, the experience and the that passion and that fire was was where it all was founded and built was through Soul ID. So I owe everything to that company. Wow. You know, we we hear follow your passion for people who might follow their passion and then that passion not work out mm-hmm. could could be really tough, but you're definitely the type of person that will bounce back and, and turn it into, you know, something positive, which uh kind of transitioning ended up being Winterial. Mm-hmm. Is, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like I said, <clears throat> kind of moved into creating another um brand in the world of action sports and action and adventure sports, kind of hand in hand. And that was kind of how we where we are today, creating a brand that was a direct to consumer brand, providing people that lifestyle and that ability to get out and enjoy the outdoors and have a good time with family and you know, kind of that stepping stone into hopefully finding their passion in the outdoors. And I have a lot of like serenity in the outdoors. It's like kind of my my peaceful area. So if I can pass it on and kind of inspire other people, that's the goal. If I hear somebody say like, I got to get out this weekend because of Winterial and I bought this tent, that that's the kind of the, the full circle comes back to that. So yeah, that's that's definitely gotta be a good feeling. Oh yeah. How did you end up getting involved with Winterio? So uh kind of long winded it Ben Sampson, founder of Solity, connected me with Peter Strauss, uh professor at Chico State. And then from there they were looking for kind of a young, kind of motivated entrepreneur that uh was looking to kind of get something going and uh, it worked out to where I had this passion for action sports and wanted to kind of bring it to life. And I met up with the former founder of build.com and uh, former COO of build.com, Ryan Brewer. And from there on, it was, it was me creating a brand that I loved and it was creating products that I saw a fit for a market that I loved. And from then on, there was funding behind that. And, and that's where it started. I mean, kind of in a nutshell. Was there one specific moment where they were like, we're doing this? Do you want to go after it with us? Or was it a series of meetings? How did that go? Yeah, it was kind of one meeting. And then that one meeting fired me up, talking to people of of that, I call them kind of business titans, really, Mm -hmm. that they have that stature. And, you know, I'm driving around in a, a tricked out Audi and I'm realizing, okay, you know, there's, there's, some real potential here. Like if I really put my heart and soul in it. And again, I had, I have a a fire inside of me to work, uh, kind of independently and I'm I'm very motivated. So I didn't have an issue of, you know, do I need four or five meetings to kind of kick me in the butt and say, Hey, like Eli, let's go. It was like, Hey, this is what it could be. This is my passion. And if I can blend them, I can be driving in that Audi. And that was really like the, it took one meeting, it took one uh, 
talking to people that were a whole different league than I was. Coming out of Saudi, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm a little bit bigger fish in a small pond, and then really quickly realize that that's not the case. There's people out there that are much bigger than I am, and you know, they they have way more experience. And I just wanted to learn and get those resources to kind of build something my own on myself. And I couldn't have done it without without you know the help and support. And you know, there's so many things that go into it, but it was really just a fire in myself, burning passion to create something that related around my passion again. It all comes back to that. <laughs> was there a moment where you're like, should I do this or should I not? Yeah, it, there was. I mean, coming out of school, you kind of have like, do I, you know, dress up in a business suit and walk around and pass out a bunch of resumes at the career fair and end up with, you know, a job at Enterprise Rent-A-Car? No, no. If anybody has that job, that's totally fine. But is it that or do I want to, you know, I got four or five years to really grind at something. Is it worth really putting the time in and doing that? And for me, it was just a, it was a no brainer, no brainer. And I had to dive in. So to, to answer that, really, there's, there's really no doubt. When I told my dad and my mom about it, like, oh, really? Like, you sure? Like, is this really going to pay off? And I'm like, I, I definitely, I believe in it. I believe in myself. The biggest part is just executing on yourself. So I always think about that. Like, if I go into an idea, I'm confident about it, that's off the table. The next thing is I will always execute on myself and my ability to, to succeed. I know what I can do. I don't care what anybody else can do, but I know what I'm capable of. And if I'm going down the right path, it's just I'm 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 good. Because I'm I'm executing on my on my ability to execute on the whole business and my passion. And and you've been doing an awesome <clears throat> job at executing. And so could you uh, share some of the success you've had as far as growing the brand from zero to $3 million? Like that's, that's pretty huge. That's not something you do easily. So, you know, what, what, how has that experience been? It's been a whirlwind. I mean, it's amazing what we've, what I've learned in the past four years now, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And it's definitely not easy. There's, the success of it came from really like building a foundation and a strong foundation to kind of build up on. So instead of just kind of going at it, you know, all the way without, you know, building any uh, point of sale system or CRMs or anything in the background, nothing would be where it is today. So really focusing on strong platform to be building up on. And then from there, it was a, a, a learning curve that I've never experienced in my life you know, communicating with foreign vendors, um, going through so many, you know, trial and error, bad products, good products, and then working the quality of kinks out. And there's so many kinks and you're getting products that are completely wrong and they're labeled wrong. And you're working through all those little trial and error moments were, were a huge learning experience. And then from then on, it was once you dial in the, the, the sourcing side of it, you can call it. So getting the product and, and learning that logistics side. Then I get into the bread and butter of, of learning my, how to put the marketing that I've worked uh, and used in the fraternity and then in Soul ID and how do I kind of mesh that and translate that into working for a tangible product, which is something that I've never done before. So again, creating really good content, high quality content, 
at this point, I was a little bit better versed in photography and had more of a, a better understanding of what looks good, you know, all the that photography lingo. So that's only one one little part of it in the in the micro, but in the macro, it's about you know getting that in front of people and then the engagement and how that works and you know is it is it Amazon marketing is it Facebook marketing is it Google marketing? I mean, I could go on for days <laughs> about the all the business elements and but s- the steps to success came from building a foundation that we could build on top of. And that is the biggest tip that I have. And that's what I learned from these business titans, Chris Friedland and Ryan Brewer. So what what exactly would the foundations be? Is are the is that something only specific for e-commerce for building a product? Or are those foundations that can be, you know, general rule f- across any type of business? I think it's something that you would do in any business, but for e-commerce, probably a little bit more just because I'm in that niche. Meaning you want to have um, kind of a, a CRM built, you know, customer relationship management that is tracking your customers, all their data. And then you need, you know, the point of sale system where it's kind of all tying together. And then you need your, um, your warehousing and your inventory set up. So it all ties together and that foundation building that piece. And I remember testing with a bottle of Tazo tea and we sent it to our warehouse and then we ordered it online and we got to see it go through this ordering process and getting into the warehouse and scanning. And then we got it back and it was like, whoa, it, the system we built and the foundation actually worked. And at that point, once you build that, now you just build up. And that in e-commerce is, is very important. You're dealing with people's money, credit cards, making sure everything's safe, then tying it into the website, the front end of the website, and then the back end of the website, and making sure that everything meshes together and creates a customer experience that they don't see any blemish was uh, something I learned. But moving forward in e-commerce and anybody looking to do e-commerce, the first step is building your foundation to where it's it's not going to break. So foundation being the CR customer relationship mm-hmm. management, so you yep. track people, and then having the logistics as far as shipping the item and warehousing the item, mm-hmm. and then also the point of sale service as far as yep. how do we yeah get, get their money <laughs> yep. and and know that we're supposed to ship the item so those would be the foundation and then you said building up from that is that mm-hmm. mostly where then where you get into the marketing or um could you just dive in a little bit deeper yeah yeah so i think at that point once you kind of build and it crm erp they're kind of kind of a meshed term sure. um so the foundation when you start building upwards um everything from you know, salespeople or people are just bringing on people to your team. Uh, and then the whole marketing element of it, um, creating and then merchandising in, in the in the space of e-commerce is what I'm speaking on. Merchandising, like you're walking into a store, you're walking into Target or a grocery store and those kind of end caps would be considered like a merchandising in a, in a brick and mortar store. And those are what you're translating into your e-commerce listing. So, you know, making sure that the photos are really good to make it attractive so people click in and then your description, your bullets are attractive and informative, all of those kind of buzzwords that we use, that is a part of the building up on the foundation. Awesome. From a marketing perspective, what has been the most successful ingredient into growing the business? 
I think in our world of Amazon is really taking over the world, but learning CPC marketing and, and all the pay-per-click and everything like that in Google, learning the, the structure of Google AdWord marketing and Amazon marketing has really been, if I'm going to say foundation of marketing, learning those and learning how to kind of tweak these levers to you know, increase your traffic or decrease, decrease your traffic. Those are kind of the biggest you know, things that can push the company up or down and sway your numbers on the month. And you're spending too much in marketing, you obviously you're not going to make as much profit, vice versa. So learning where the eyes are, really it comes down to where is, where's the attention and where are the eyes at. And in e-commerce, the eyes and attention are in Amazon. And that's where it's going to continue to be. Um, and then, so, you know, learn and direct your attention there as a marketer, as well as a business owner, and just really just learn it inside and out because it's super important. Okay. Awesome. So we've been talking about growing the business and how you've loved it and you, you've combining again, your two passions, but what has been the lowest valley where you've had a challenge and you've hopefully overcome that challenge? Mm -hmm. uh, what has that moment been? Well, again, there's a couple. Um, the biggest one uh, was back earlier in the brand's life cycle was, again, not really having a really good understanding of how marketing worked. And I wasn't really watching that so-called lever that we have. Um, I wasn't really you know, focusing there, focusing on the marketing side and what it looked like, the product looked like, and then and sourcing it and kind of just expecting the product to sell. And we did a pretty good chunk of revenue on the month. And then the actual profit dollar number was like almost a negative because I wasn't watching any of the marketing. And there was terms and there's products that are just spending so much money where you're actually, you're, you're almost giving the, I'm almost paying you to take the product because I'm spending so much. Like the cost per click was so much that we were upside down. So our marketing numbers were just so far off. So to be able to tether that back was kind of coming out of this valley. But, you know, the, the, the ultimate dip I remember was just not having a good grasp on the spend that people, and every time you click on an ad, how much money that's costing. And if you're, you know, you're spending it just so much, you're not, you're going upside down. And that was really a big valley, if you want to call it that. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um, and then what has been the the biggest peak? Ooh, the biggest peak. Um, well, there's a couple of them, uh, again. But we ordered, early on in the brand, we ordered 500 snowshoes kind of as a test. And in a month and a half, we blew through all of them. And that was, again, a kind of a gut check, like, okay, this is going to work and we have a product and we have a niche that we're in. We controlled the marketing, we controlled the merchandising, the sourcing, the price was good. People will buy. People are looking for that. And that was the that was a, a peak early in the brand. I mean, that was just unheard of. Selling through you know, $89, $99 snowshoes, 500 of them in, in a month and a half. I mean, the amount of revenue that was pumped in in a month and a half was more than the company saw in its whole lifespan. And that was just really a moment like, okay, we've got something. Let's, let's execute now. That was, that was definitely a, a high. 
What about now as far as the snowshoes? Where are they at today? Again, another peak and probably a higher peak is we were contacted by a video producer that's producing a new movie with Nicolas Cage and Lawrence Fishburne. And they reached out to um, get permission for product placement of Winterial Snowshoes in, in a movie, a uh, full motion picture with these two kind of A-list celebrities. So they're going to be in the in the movie and then a childhood dream of mine is to be on a movie set. And I asked the guy and I said, hey, I'll, I'll kick myself and regret it if I don't at least ask. And he's like, we're going to make it happen. I'm actually flying out tonight to be on set with the actors and the whole crew to be on the set and watch them produce the scene with Winterio snowshoes in it. So tomorrow I'll be on set all day in the, in the mountains of New Mexico. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, incredible. I'm excited. <laughs> Especially when you throw in that this is a childhood dream. Yep. Now you throw on top, you've had this product that you put a ton of work into. It must be surreal. It's still a dream. I'll be I'll really be in a dream tomorrow if I'm when I'm standing there with Nicolas Cage and Lawrence Fishburne and they have my product on that I put the product development time into. It's gonna be a weird one, but I'll uh, keep everybody up in, in tune. <laughs> I'm a, I have to tell you, I'm I'm so stoked for you. This is a uh, thanks, man. It's pretty cool. I got really excited when you told me about that uh, earlier, and I was like, wait, 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 we gotta save this for the podcast. Yeah. This is good stuff. That's gonna be a lot of fun. Can't wait. Hey, listeners. So this concludes part one and begins part two. Again, there was a good amount of time in between these two recordings. In part one, Eli is at Winterial. And in this next part, Eli was no longer a part of Winterial as he went all in on results imagery. Eli goes into detail on that whole experience and much more. So let's dive in. We kind of left off last time and obviously there's been some time in between recordings and you've done a lot since then. So I want to talk about that. But I'm also really curious and maybe the listeners will be curious is literally that day. When we recorded, you were about to go off and go to a movie set. Oh, with, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that is right. That yeah. is a good, good point. Yeah. <laughs> and so now that we've had some time yeah. and you had that experience, can you kind of tell us about that experience and if oh, it yeah. lived up to your expectations? Oh, 100%. Great. Oh, man, I love it. This is a great way to kick it off. So had the opportunity. I got there, Ubered to their office and jumped in this guy's car. It was really, really a kind of a weird because it was kind of like it's in Albuquerque, which is where they film a lot of movies. And it was just kind of a weird building I was walking into. I didn't know if it was like a total setup. It was actually kind of a sketchy moment, to be honest. Got in this, <laughs> and I met the guy and, and I've seen, I like looking at photos of him before. Tatted out guy, massive gauges, crazy hair. Pretty easy to pick out in the office. Saw him and he's like, yeah, man, let's go. And we ended up driving up there super quick. He ended up getting a speeding ticket on the way there. He wow. was, was going like a hundred miles an hour flying on the freeway. Cop pulls him over. He's like, God dang it. He's like fiddling through his glove box and Anyways, finally get up there. And it was probably one of the most like defining moments just to see it all going down and how the production set and they had, you know, massive trailers and they had like food trailers and everything is like gourmet for these actors. And uh, they had the, the, um, the stuntman. And then uh, they're, all, they're all mic'd up and like, I got a mic. They like put like a radio on me. I don't know why I wasn't going to do anything with the radio, <laughs> but they put a radio on me and they got me all set up. And we walked up to like this cliff. The scene was them backpacking, had their had the snowshoes on their backpack. And they were walking down this cliff. And then the scene is when Nicolas Cage actually slips and Lawrence catches him. And then he's like, 
the famous movie thing. Okay, um, see you later. Like basically like betraying him right there. And Nick falls. Mm. So they ran the scene with the stuntman, and then they're like, okay, let's bring in the actors. And like it was on the radio piece, and I got to hang out with like the director of the movie. He's like, okay, let's call the actors in. And they called them in. And like, you just see like this entourage of people like following Nick and Lawrence, like through this like forest, like Glen thing. And then there's some, there's literally a guy in front of them, like breaking all the sticks so that they don't trip. He's like cutting and then like sawing sticks and then like moving everything so that they don't trip. Oh my gosh. And like you see like Nicolas Cage come out and Lawrence. I'm just like, that's pretty cool. Like they're real. Like it's what they, it was so, such a defining moment. And then like the the prop guys like walking behind him and they got like the snowshoes like on this backpack. I was like, that's the snowshoe. It was such a cool moment. It was like so cool. And then the the film nerd behind me, I got to the the scene where like they're walking up, they just like strap me into this harness, this massive like rig that's hanging over this massive cliff in Albuquerque. Mm. They strapped me into the um this rig, kind of suited me up, kinda like rock climbing gear. And I got to go under the like the hood of the camera with the director right here and he's like Eli come like come watch the scene and like the snowshoes are literally like perfectly in the frame and he like grabs him and the actors they did it like three or four takes but you can see Lawrence and you can see uh, uh, Nicholas and they're like talking to each other and I'm right over the top of the, the over the shoulder camera it was insane I was like is this real you know doing like the snap slap on your face thing like is this real <laughs> and it was so cool but after that, there was a photographer on set <clears throat> and she's like, do you want to do you want to take a picture with Nick? And then we went, went over there and Nick and Lawrence and it was such a cool moment. They were like, who is this? I'm like, Eli, <laughs> I am the one that created those snowshoes. And they were like blown away because they had snowshoed the day before I, I got there in them. Mm-hmm. It was one of the scenes and they were like, these are amazing. Lawrence is like, how do I get a pair? He was like talking to me. And then Nick kind of like pulled me aside. He's like, I'm not, I can't advertise for this. Like, do not post this on social media. Do not say a word about this. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not a, an influencer for Winterial. He made it really clear to me. I was like, all right, yeah, d- totally get it. So yeah. I didn't say, I had to keep it pretty quiet in terms of like showing those photos yeah. to anybody until it, the movie came out last winter. So it was a, one of the coolest moments of my life. But it comes back to if I didn't say, can I come down there and like, be a little bit vulnerable and say, Hey, can I come down and be a part of the set? It would never would have happened. Yeah. So. That's, that's surreal. And that's the power of asking a difficult question. Totally. <laughs> um, it's, yeah. but you're all about that. You're all about yeah. following your passion and yep. you know, what's the worst they're going to say is no, that's exactly right. That's why I went into it. I was like, I'm, I will never like doubt myself to, to ask because the worst thing is just, Hey, yeah, not, it can't work. All right, cool. Enjoy the snowshoes. Wow. So that's, that's incredible. Uh, I love that story. So thanks. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. So now obviously mm-hmm. you are doing something new, a yep. uh, different company. Um, and I want to get into that, okay. but what I'm always really interested in, because I think it's a really, can be a really difficult time that people go through mm-hmm. is leaving a company. Um, yep. and especially when you are the one who created that brand. Mm-hmm. So you left material and market fleet. Mm-hmm to go do something else yep. and we'll get into results imagery. But can you tell me about that experience? Like what was going through your head? How did you know it was the right time to leave? Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of helped make it a little easier? Totally. Yeah. I think it was uh, another like defining point um, in my career so far is the ability to like identify that you're not super happy 
And then how do you, it's kind of like, um, it's like marketing, right? Like the whole point of marketing is to identify what somebody wants and then figure out a way to get to that. Mm -hmm. That's the definition of marketing in a nutshell. Why weren't you happy? Um, I think I went down the, to the, to the nine to five route that I never wanted to be a part of. Right. I, I don't think that's like a productive work environment when you're, you're, you're basing your time off of noon when you can have a break for lunch and then you're, you're watching the clock till five and like you're working for Friday at four forty. Like, I don't, I don't think that is how a productive work environment should be. Yeah. You know, done. So that was that. And then, and then I think some of the passion behind it, I wasn't really doing the, the branding anymore and like the, the content creation, which is what I really liked. Mm-hmm. I was doing some product development, but it started to be more like working in the, working on the numbers and like grinding the, the, the inventory numbers and trying to make the margins work. Mm-hmm. It was pretty stressful when stuff wasn't selling as you can imagine, like retail and, and the, the direct consumer world is very seasonal and it's cyclical. Yeah. So the times between after Christmas and before summer is like a, such a stressful time and it hits every year. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's great Christmas. You're, you're, you're high as a kite and then you just drop and it's like, you're trying to just jam sales down people's throats and you can put an ad in front of somebody, but if not going to buy it, it's like, they're not going to buy it. So mm-hmm. uh, that started to take a toll. It started to take a toll on realizing like, this isn't exactly what I'm, I'm maybe set out to do. And I feel like my potential is more in branding and creating a story. And that's what I always try to do with materials, like tell a story because that emotional connection, people have so many brands and there's so much stimulus every day. They're, you know, all the content, but how do you get in front of somebody? It's by telling a story. And that's what I try to do with material. But that started to get be, you know, 10, 5% of my job, whereas the other was more spreadsheet work. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I ended up not being super happy. And I started to identify that. Yeah. So um, if you're not happy, it's definitely, yeah, definitely time to move do. on. Um, and so for those who don't know, Winterial, you like created Winterial, but Winterial mm-hmm. was part of Marketfully, it was mm-hmm. part of a company that wasn't yours mm-hmm. right yep um but you still created that brand was it really hard to leave that like your baby totally yeah it totally was it really it came i think i the skew count how many products were in the line um i think it was probably like 40 to 50 maybe 60 products that i had kind of actually touched and developed and then um that was that was definitely a little bit tough I think I think the more like sentimental part of the the branding and like what I tried to do with the brand to get in in people's hands that might have been the 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 harder part to leave and then like the story and the journey on like how that product got to market of like I went to China for a couple of weeks and yeah actually sourced like I was in the factory like showing them like 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 knitting these tents and these it was a crazy experience um so that was, that was, I think the journey was a little bit more emotional to let go, but the actual day to day, I think overcame that journey in my head. And that was what made it a little bit easier. Got it. So. Um, and then, so what you did next mm-hmm. was results imagery. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. <laughs> um, and how did you identify that results was the next best move for you? Yeah. I think, um, we started my current business partner today, we started experimenting with creating product photography and, and imagery that would be so different than the competition. 
that you know everybody's shopping with their eyes like you can't look and f- you can't hold a product online so you have to be able to see that product and be able to we call it touch it with your eyes and we tried it with this um uh snowboard wax kit so it kind of wax kit that winterio made um had a wax iron and then had all like little tools and accessories and we tried it one day we went into a studio we went into my buddy's studio up in paradise I, like blacked out the room had like one light hitting it um and we did this like really cool drip shot. So as you were like rubbing the wax on the board, there was like this little drip, but the focus of the shot was like this super like intimate, dark looking photo. And then you can like see like the material kind of carving off of it and like splashing onto the, the snowboard. And like, once I saw that photo, I was like, this is what I'm going to be doing. Like, I have to do this. I have to pursue that love for that photo. Mm-hmm. And how it translated into sales is it ended up ranking as like one of the top selling snowboard wax kits on Amazon, which is pretty tough to do. Right. But the sales velocity picked up because of those photos. We did multiple photos, like really cool push shots and the amount of stoke and passion that Kyle and I had from one photo, like we took the photo and it was just like instantly started screaming and just high-fiving. And to have that kind of a passion over like a digital photo on a, on a, on a back of a camera was oh my it was fire it was pure fire to feel that so seeing that there's a gap in the market knowing that product photography and video production sells that's what people are buying on they're buying on the basis of that and obviously reviews and price but those photos are what suck people in it's just basic marketing that's what i love so that's kind of where it came from that's where we saw the there's a kink in the market trying to get um direct consumer brands to be able to sell online you need product photography and instead of having a, a full in-house staff with fifty thousand dollars worth of gear we'll just outsource that ship the product off focus on what you're really good at and let the professionals do what they do best right totally so. uh so you you identified the mm-hmm. need because you were in that you're in the you were in the target 100%. market that you're serving now yeah uh which just makes so much sense. Yep. And I remember actually seeing those photos because mm-hmm. I, you know, it was yep. just, you were just so pumped about yep. them and they were kind of the first product photography yep. that you kind of shared mm-hmm. um, that you were really excited about. Yeah. Um, and it reminds me actually kind of going full circle okay. into your biz talk when you're talking oh, about yeah. that GoPro ad mm-hmm. that you saw in like a magazine and you were just like, whoa, mm-hmm. that's different. That's really cool. Totally. Now I want that. Uh, and now you're creating yep. that type of marketing. That's so cool. Dude, I thought the same thing. I had the same thought about like, I remember saying that at Biz Talks because it's true. It's a true story. I was flipping through an outside magazine and I saw that. But it did come full circle when I started to think like, I'm doing that now. Like I'm creating ad content and I'm creating really cool lifestyle photos that people are literally flipping through magazines or they're scrolling on their feed now. And they're seeing and they're stopping. It's like, whoa, that's pretty cool. Like, can I do that? Man, let's check it out. And then they start working into the e-commerce process. Yeah. But yeah, it truly is full circle. I that's a great point. Yeah. It's uh yeah. it's so cool. I literally just put that together. Yeah. Yep. Um and so could you just again like give the pitch? Like yep. what is results? Mm-hmm. I will give you the the we're we're standing in an elevator. We got uh, another floor, I'll give you the pitch. Yes. Um Results Imagery is a media development company specializing in product photography and video production for online retailers. That's what it is. 
Beautiful. That was amazing. uh, Yeah. (laughs) And, and, um, we were actually working on, um, our team the other day, we were working on uh, a mission statement and we kind of going back and forth. Like, how do we, how do we like summarize everything? You know, you look at these big companies like, like Microsoft or Pixar, and we were trying to like get inspired by them. And like Microsoft, I think is like, we, we plan to put a computer on every desk or every desk in the world. It's like, that's like their mission. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're, we're in the process of hiring full-time people now. And I was like, what, what if they ask, like, what is our mission? Started to think, and part of this elevator pitch, if somebody were to ask it, is our mission is we bring products to life. And that's what we kind of came up with is simple, um, kind of basic people know what that means. But truly, the the meaning behind that is we do bring products to life. You could have just a, a basic, um, like handbag and we'll bring that to life with really cool photos, really good video production, good models in there. And that's kind of where the mission statement came from. I love that. Um, kind of goes back to what you said mm-hmm. when you're shopping online and especially in the day and age yep. that we find ourselves, like mm-hmm. people aren't going to stores yep. more than ever and they're shopping online. And you know, the one thing, I hate going to stores, but the one thing it's really hard to beat is touching and feeling and trying on and seeing Mm -hmm. a product. But I have seen some companies do it really well with their videography, Mm -hmm. with their photography, where it's almost like I'm there seeing it. I might not be feeling it and touching it, but you know, you can look at reviews for that kind of stuff, but like seeing it in motion, seeing it on someone, Mm -hmm. maybe that even looks like me. Like, that that can really help trigger me to 100%. help you know hit that buy button or totally. add the card at least 100 percent. there are a couple like niche product or, or categories of products that are just really hard to buy online mm-hmm. and bridging that gap between kind of bringing that product to life is something that we try to do like apparel is a perfect example yeah. apparel shoes is another really good example those are tough to like put people into a a space where they feel like okay that maybe that shoe or that shirt can look good on me um it's it's a whole i mean there's like a formula behind trying to like make it work and there's some companies like you said doing it so good so good and their branding is on point their photos and videos i think Allbirds does it the best i was gonna say yeah. <laughs> Allbirds, uh, especially on their on their product pages with their um the thing that's so different for me mm-hmm. um and i'm sure you nerd about out mm-hmm. about this is uh the little video of them, someone walking in the shoes yep. in, into it and just kind of like you can see it in motion can, and like oh, that's so different than anything I've really 100%. seen. They they kill it. And I think what they do really good is it's on those listing pages, but it's also on like their social ads and their Instagram feeds and yeah. all that stuff is the, the video of, of like a top down video of the, the, the ends of the shoes and people are just wiggling their toes mm-hmm. in the wool. And mm-hmm. it's like that looks pretty comfortable. And they, they've shown that to me both in a photo and a video. And now I'm actually like watching it. That is really genius. Yeah. I love, I'm super inspired by Allbirds. They're an amazing brand. I love them. So my next question, mm-hmm. and I think you already answered this yep. is how did you come up with the idea? Is mm-hmm. it, was it literally just you and Kyle kind of had that light bulb moment when you made this really cool snowboard wax yep. photo shoot or did it take some time to really ingest in your mind and something else triggered the actual yeah. idea of what became results? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was um, 
yeah, that that photo was a spark. And then working in the the direct consumer landscape of having to, you know, every new product you have, you have to create product photos. And our in-house designer was out, was shooting the product photos. And then, and then timing was always kind of, you need the photos to be able to go live on the listing on Amazon, Shopify. Otherwise it's absolutely pointless online. You need the photos. So we saw, a I saw a bottleneck starting to form where, okay, we got a product live, but that person who's in charge of that is now really busy. And now my, my photos are delayed. And now I'm paying for inventory that's just stacking up I'm inventory costs and I can't move the inventory because the product photos aren't live. So um, seeing that and and my partner having a really big media background, having his own studio and, and photo business, and then combining that e-commerce background and experience of what people actually look for, and then being able to bring that to life and create photos that um, actually do sell. So our goal is to always create media assets that are actually going to increase sales conversion and figuring out how to do that and taking up, you know, like even thinking about you're scrolling through on Amazon on the mobile device and having a photo that takes up as much real estate as possible. So when people are scrolling through, that photo is taking up a majority of that allotted space. Small things like that, um, people just aren't, they don't, they're not aware of Mm. unless you work in that industry. Mm -hmm. So. Combining those two, and then just truly the passion of being able to to do our own thing and do something every day that, like, we are so stoked to put the jersey on Sunday night and really get after it. <laughs> yeah, I know you guys are. Yeah. Um, and again, you're all about following your passion. Mm-hmm. You're literally living it, and you know, being your really good friend, uh, I can see it and I yeah. know it. So it's amazing. What clicked for your company? Because mm-hmm. I know you know getting a company started. Yeah can be hard Mm -hmm. and you know i know you personally and so i know there's been some ups and downs but it really seemed like i don't know what clicked but seemed like something clicked so i just want to know yeah what clicked yeah yeah no i think it was um a couple things i mean we bootstrapped the company there was no investments no investment even to this day um we knew that it had to work it wasn't we wanted to work it had to work because we were depending on that for income so from that point that little mindset change of i want it to work to it has to work I think was the initial tipping point. And then a little bit farther up the the bell curve is thinking more about um, being in the right spot. So e-commerce and commerce in general is is booming and it's continuing to grow. And we've been able to ride that wave at a really good point when, especially during this, this whole uh, recent, the pandemic thing, people are trying to sell online. Mm-hmm. They are They are working from home now they can work on their side projects instead of working on them at 9 p.m. to midnight and they can't work on during the, during the day in their office because they're, they're their manager is going to look over them. Now they're working on it during the day and now they don't have the skill or the gear to be able to shoot their product photos, which they need to have to go live on their listing because everybody wants passive income. And the best way to have, or one of the best ways for passive income is to sell something online. And you can be sitting on a beach in the Bahamas and you can just see your ding, ding, ding and orders going off. Everybody wants that dream. So we're riding that at a really, really good time. And we're riding it not only with really good branding behind results imagery that I, there's no competitor in our space that has the branding and the, the, the kind of the foundation to the company down. I think that we do. Everybody else is very kind of cut and dry. They list their portfolio, but they don't have that e-commerce background, that pushes the photography forward. 
we always work with the client and we don't just deliver the product photos. We, we can consult them a little bit on how to use them best because I want to see our photos everywhere. It's very cool for me to go and scroll through the brands that we work with and be like, oh, there's our photo, there's our photo, there's our photo. And it helps because we've helped them distribute the, the product photos. And then they come back and like, that worked. We gained a bunch of sales. I got a new product. Here you go. And it just, the cycle keeps rolling. So long-winded, it, it really was a couple things of a mindset and then just being in the right time in the right place with good branding. I think that was what it was. And realizing too, that like you have to educate people that the cell phone photo might look like it might be good, might work, but to take it to the next level, you need a professional that there's a reason that Canon makes an $8,000 camera. Like there's a reason behind that. Yeah. So that's part of it. Yeah, so I I give you and Kyle a hard time sometimes because I'll I'll pull out the uh, yeah, iPhone, put on portrait mode, and be like, "Hey, yeah. look at this photo! It looks so good." But I mean, I've even yeah. seen you guys take photos on an yeah. iPhone, do like two minutes of editing, yep. and the way you guys like find an angle mm-hmm. and can just you know tweak it a yep. little bit, like it's like okay, yeah, uh, I'm gonna go sit down. Yeah. I'm gonna shut up. Like you guys are the real professionals, you know, um, even with all this technology and cameras these days, uh, that or in your phone, like yeah. it's, uh, you still can't replace that. eye. hundred percent. It's the, uh, it's the archers, not the arrows. Wow. I say it all the time. I've actually never heard that before. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then going back to, to archers, mm-hmm. Uh, so your, your fellow archer, mm-hmm. uh, Kyle, yep. the, the yep, other, yep. the other founder of, of mm-hmm. results imagery, you know, Kyle's one of your best friends. Yeah. So I have a couple questions there, yeah. but how did you know that Actually. Kyle was really the right person to partner with? Mm-hmm. We've worked on uh, a company that we were both a part of before called soul ID. Yep. And I, and we kind of led the media portion and marketing portion of that company. And we, I saw his work ethic and I saw his passion behind creating a photo. And I know he'll get, he'll razz me for this, but I actually was the one that put a camera in, in Kyle's hand. The very <laughs> first, we had a dirt bike race. And I was like, dude, try this camera and like, just see what it feels like. And he instantly, same kind of thing, snapped the shutter. And he, from then on, he blew up, he created his own photography company, did really, really good, kind of a local photographer, commercial and portrait photographer. And then, um, just knowing that drive he has, he has the very same drive of he will never work for somebody. Mm-hmm. So I know that he is one that back to the statement of you, he's going to make it work. He doesn't want it to work. He wants, he needs it to work. Mm-hmm. And he also, what I've also saw in Kyle is he had early plans and, and, and at that time was having his first kid, had a wife and he really, he, he, he had to support them. He had to support and, and you know, pay for them. So yeah. I knew that he was going to make it work and not just want it to work. I mm-hmm. knew that he, he had to make that work. Mm-hmm. And once I kind of saw those line up, he presented the idea to me. Um, hey, I got this idea and I think we can make it work. And instantly mine started turning and the fusion between Kyle and I have kind of a media background and e-commerce background that kind of yin and yang that go back and forth is, is really what is fueling the company today. Awesome. And so, you know, it's really easy to focus on the success stories. Yeah. Obviously, when you're building a company, mm-hmm. there are some tough times. Yeah. And so I'm curious, what's been like the biggest thing you guys have had to struggle and get through? Mm-hmm. I think it was uh, really early in the company. And um, 
again, leaving Market Fleet and, and Winterio, which I don't think I fully touched on, but I was right in the middle of getting married. Uh, right. We were, I literally was getting married. I was spending all this money. I had a safety net and I cut the cord and went full head first into results. And that was definitely a, a time of like huge risk, <laughs> like owned a house, getting married. There was all these assets. I mean, there's a ton of stuff floating on this. So I had to make it work. But early in the company, we started to see some growth, started to figure out the marketing, started to dial it in. And we got to a point where we were starting to get a lot of orders and the marketing was, again, starting to optimize itself. And we kind of we kind of pulled the the foot off the gas pedal. Like, oh man, we're we're cruising. Like, this is sweet. Like, we're doing like $6,000 a month. This is amazing. And and what we didn't realize is as soon as you, our pipeline is, you know, uh, two, three week, you know, sales converting time for the most part. So we did two to three weeks of just killer sales. We're like, oh, this is awesome. Like, let's pull the foot off the pedal. Let's like kind of relax, enjoy our success, quote unquote. And then like the next thing you know, leads went just bone dry and just totally dried up. And this is early, early in the company. Mm -hmm. And that next week we, you know, obviously we're, we're trying to pay ourselves a little bit. We're spending money in marketing, try to propel the company forward. And that next week we, we looked at, we were, we were paying a couple of interns as well, looked at our, our bank account and realized that we are going to make payroll by pulling our savings account, injecting that money into the checking account. And we did that and, and looked at the bank account and we had literally, we needed like five, $497 to cover it. We had like four ninety seven and 90 cents or something in our savings. So did that paid payroll and we had like no joke, like five cents in our bank account, our checking account. I looked at Kyle and we, we, we circled up and we're like, what is happening? Like we were flying high and now we are at the lowest of low. Yeah. Like, how did this happen? <laughs> and it was truly because we were maybe got a little greedy or whatever and, and pulled the foot off the gas. And we're like, okay, we're, we're cruising. Right. Not realizing that there's that pipeline that needs to be built and continues to be built and nurtured. And we, we put our heads together and that month we had our biggest month yet. It was mm. head down, grind, no more of this, you know, successfulness. I, I mean, that was, that was such a dumb, naive thing to think about. Right. And from that point on, I mean, we've, if we need to grind, we know how. We just know from that moment. We look back on that moment, like we had five cents and we had our biggest month. Like this month, we are going to crank it up and we, right. we put the heads down. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Talk about a lesson learned there. Yeah. It was a scary one. Yeah. I kind of chills thinking about it because it was, I, it could have been really embarrassing, like leaving, leaving what I had, the safety net, mm -hmm. all this stuff I had to kind of pay for during that time. And then, and then the company just crumbles because of our being super naive. I mean, it would have been terrible. Totally. <laughs> yeah. It's all good though. Uh, good. Yeah. I'm glad good that I know it's working experience. out. Yeah. Um, and so my next question is, what do you guys struggle with now? Or what do you struggle with now? Right now it is, how do we get to the next level? Uh, every month, like um, investing in, in marketing and doing these other things. We're pretty, we've not, I'm not gonna say plateau. We're growing at a very slow rate versus kind of seeing these hockey stick peaks, which is good. I, we want to grow at a good rate, but we're figuring out like, how do we get to the next level? Mm -hmm. How do we get to that big company where you got 50 to 60 people working for you? Like, how does that, how do we get there? So that is something that we bat around pretty much weekly. And we, we set aside time to like, we call it moving the needle work. I put mm -hmm. it in the calendar every week mm -hmm. and I try to do it just on my own. Like, how do we move the needle up and like set aside a block of time? focus on the growth of the company 
focus on, you know, looking at it from like a 30,000 30, foot level. What I think my personal thing that I do that I struggle with within the business is I work too much inside of the business versus working on the business. That's easy to do. It's easy to do. And especially yeah. as like, you know, um, not a huge amount of employees right now. We're looking at like five or six employees currently. It's hard not to try to wear every hat. Mm-hmm. So every week I'm constantly like, okay, yeah, like you can have somebody else do that. Mm-hmm. You can delegate that off, focus your time on like the big picture, the big growth. And like, think how, how are we going to like get five, to 10 more of those people that can continue to do that work. So I think that's something just as a company level that we are, are currently figuring out and struggling. It's not really a struggle, but it is a struggle because we want this company to be the biggest e-commerce media provider out there. And it takes patience, it takes time, but we do want to figure out how to continue to get it to grow. When it comes to those meetings, I don't, mm-hmm. are they meetings with Kyle that you have those yeah. in mm-hmm. your uh, other owner? Mm-hmm. What do those conversations look like? How do you yeah. get that started? Where it's yeah, like, that's hey, a great. How do we start? Question. How do we push the needle? Kyle and I did did something recently, where we do this this big triangle. Kind of looks like a food pyramid, <laughs> okay. and on the very bottom of the food pyramid, it's like what uh, what propels the company? What does the company do? And in there, we write photography, video production, and now we're kind of starting to kind of kind of put the blinker on and check out another lane and we're checking out media or marketing consulting and mm-hmm. we've been doing that for a couple of clients here and running some e-commerce stuff on the side and then kind of veering back into our lane trying stuff but we put the foundational stuff at the very foundation of this pyramid and then we kind of work our way up okay what is the next thing that you know we need to breathe and that you know and keep working up until you get to this you know thing that's probably not that important that we shouldn't really be focusing on and from there, then we, we, we like, we figure out what are the assets and what are the resources needed to fuel that bottom piece of that triangle. Mm-hmm. And as we start to figure those pieces out, um, that will grow the company as a whole. If mm-hmm. we can get that bottom piece to like start pushing, pushing harder and focusing the efforts there, that's really what's going to grow and focusing on what's working. That's where in that bottom piece, um, there's a, um, a big talk that came through Chico grow tech he we met with him individually and and he's like why are you why would you like try to deploy money at this stage of your company in these in these areas that you know they could work and they probably will work but put the money and focus it where it's actually working right which is like our inbound marketing and google ads and bing ads and Mm -hmm. instagram ads like that's working so dump the fuel on the fire there yeah grow it there and allow that to to grow the company so that's kind of in a nutshell what the talk looks like is just trying to outline, you know, mind maps is another thing we try to do. And I always work backwards. So I think like, okay, we want the company to be doing a hundred thousand by December. What do we need to do in the next six months to back into that number? Mm -hmm. How many people do we need? What, how many gear equipment, how many orders we need to do you, we can kind of mathematically back our way into some stuff now based on conversion rates and how many leads that we're getting per month. And if we dump more marketing, how much does that cost per lead? So we kind of like can mathematically back our way into, okay, we need to put $5,000 more into advertising to get 30 more leads that those 30 more leads that an average order value of $2,000 will get there. So we kind of like do that weird back and forth game. So that's what those meetings look like. That's so cool. High level stuff. Wow. That was really insightful. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love what you and Kyle are doing. Uh, you guys have really, you know, identified a need mm-hmm. that, you know, working 
I've worked in e-commerce and yeah. I've seen that same need mm -hmm. where, you know, we have a couple of designers and yeah. one, one shoots photography. Mm -hmm. And so then things get kind of backed up for a little bit. And that, that, that moment, it can be stressful. Totally. Um, and, and so I think you guys really do fill a need. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, but sure. I'm going to roll into rapid fire. Okay. All you right. ready? Yeah, born okay. ready. Spark and roll. What was your first job? Uh, Whitney Oaks golf course. A golf course. I was a um, uh, like picking up the golf balls um, and and banquet serving. I kind of moved into that pro shop stuff, but it did start in a golf course. One of the best jobs that I've ever had in my life. What did you learn? Oh, I learned customer service. Okay. You work with people that are on the golf course that are members of a golf course that expect a level of customer service from you. So I learned that, and I learned people skills, how to talk mm -hmm. to them, how to just BS and, and really build some rapport. Fortunately, I could talk the talk with golf. So learning that and learning like how you have to get in with somebody, even in sales today, like what do they like? Like do a quick little research on them. Okay. They play, play golf. They have some photos of playing or seeing the U S open. Boom. I'm going to hit them with that and I'm going to get them to like me. And then I'm going to start pitching or whatever right. it might be. Yeah. You have one of the best people skills that I know. Dude. So Whitney Oaks, tell me. Thanks, Whitney Oaks. <laughs> what book has made the greatest impact on your life? I'm pretty sure this is the name of it. It's called The Power of Full Engagement. Mm -hmm. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. That one is definitely the probably the most impactful book. I realized like how do you how do you like how do you be fully attentive and mm -hmm. how do you fully engage in something? And I've used that not even the not just the business life, but like personal life and traveling. Like when I travel, I'm on vacation. I will give 110% full engagement in what I'm doing. I went to Bali for a month. I had my phone off for the whole time. I didn't even turn, I shut it off in SFO when we took off and I turned it back on when mm -hmm. we landed. And that is a, a true testament to that book being fully engaged. So check it out. Awesome. Love it. Uh, who has been your greatest mentor? Ooh, Tim Allen. Uh, yeah. not, not the tool man, Tim Allen, the, uh, <laughs> uh, he is, uh, an, an incredible guy that I met through market fleet. Very fortunate for that. Tim Allen, hands down, um, been the biggest mentor, business mentor, really, truly. I mean, he's got so much, so much experience and how he talks and like articulates stuff to us is like, we know what we know it, but he, how he says it is like motivating. Mm -hmm. We got off the phone. We're just like flying around the office trying to figure out what, like how to like put it all together, writing stuff down. It's incredible meetings we have. Cool. Yeah. What has been the best investment of your time? I write everything on on a notepad. I have mm -hmm. this really cool, like minimalist. Um, it's called I think minimalist is the brand. This notebook, and every day, but usually Sunday nights, I write down a list of what I need to do in, during the week. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big pen and paper. Scratch it off. I've been that way the whole life. The mm -hmm. dopamine hit when you scratch that off is amazing. And people can say like. Google tasks or, or, or your project management software, like a check or a click does not do the same thing. Mm -hmm. The benefit of having a notebook open is it's always open and it's always in front of you mm -hmm. throughout your whole day. So in terms of like the most efficient use, like back to your question, uh, it's definitely that. It's definitely like being able to, to see like, what do I need to do in the day? We've all been there. 2.30 rolls around in the afternoon. It's like, oh my God, what am I going to do now? Like I have so much to do, but like, where do I actually focus my time? Mm -hmm. And if you have a notepad in front of you that you, you, I start my day off coffee. I've been doing coffee with like some coffee jazz playlist on Spotify. Okay. Coffee, coffee jazz playlist on Spotify. 
and the notebook. And the notebook, I'm I'm literally writing, what am I doing today? And every, there's a checklist of stuff I need to get done, prioritized by the most important task all the way down. Sometimes that'll change during the day, but even for personal stuff, I do the same thing. You know, pay mortgage, you know, go get uh, dad a gift or something like that. It's it's very broken out like that, mm-hmm. and I think a f- it it creates so much efficiency because you're mm-hmm. not you're not bouncing back and forth. What should I do? It's yeah. very much right there. So yeah, I think I'm that, a I'm a strong believer that yeah, when you go into work that mm-hmm. day or you start your day, you should know exactly what. Hundred percent. Do the most before. important things you're going to be accomplishing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way, you always know. What and to work you feel on. good too at the end of the day. Like I had this whole list. I said I was going to get it done, and I got it done. Yeah. You committed to it. You gave your word to this notebook. Like I'm going to finish these mm-hmm. things, and you've got to get it done. Otherwise, you feel terrible. Yeah. I feel terrible, and I I feel the yeah. same way. <laughs> yeah. I've I've had days where I'm like, wow, I got one thing done, and then yeah. I just took I, a left turn and just didn't do anything I, valuable. All, yeah. Yeah. It, hundred percent. Um, but it, it's just, it's very like objective. Like, did you do it or did you not mm-hmm. do it? That's what I love about that. Um, so I do that too. Yeah. Um, what, when you're about to graduate, what were your expectations going into the real world? Um, I think I saw, I got, had really, I would, my, my eyes were open to what it could look like to, to follow your passion, follow what you loved. I saw too many people going off, and this is not to bash anybody, but I saw too many people going to a career fair and signing up for like Foster Farms or Pepsi, and they're great companies, or Yelp. I saw these people that went down that path, and and two years later, they, you know, they're still sitting in a cubicle, they're making, they're just picking up the phones, they're just dialing and smiling and dialing. And to me, that was not what I wanted to do. So I was very open-minded and very like insightful, knowing that, okay, I do not want to do that. Left is not the path. I'm going to go right, which is going to be passion-driven and passion-based stuff. So people I surrounded myself with, fortunately, were following that path as well. So expectation-wise, I, I, I knew that I didn't want to do the nine to five, which is full circle to what I said in the beginning, which I, I started to slip into the nine to five Yeah, at where I was before yeah. the results. So um, not that it's a bad thing. I, the experience was incredible. The people I met were incredible, but... I stayed true to myself. I didn't want to do the nine to five. Mm-hmm. And I started to slip into that nine to five. I was like, eh, we got to jump out of this. Mm-hmm. And that's that was the expectation graduating. Awesome. You are definitely living it. I'll say it again. Yeah. Um, what are you excited about in the next six months to a year? Well, big news. We're moving to Bend. Yeah. Uh, in two days. So yep. I packed you all tomorrow, moving to Bend. I'm very excited for a fresh start. And I, I, I did a po- we have a podcast as well. And we just talked about this whole transition and the move and what it does both from a business standpoint, but like the psychological effect of moving mm-hmm. um, and a clean slate, mm-hmm. brand new spot, like just refreshing yourself. I know like in our office or even in our rooms, when you kind of like reorganize your bed, you maybe like move your bed a little bit or, or you swap your dining room table and move in a different spot. It's refreshing and it feels like a new spot. And this is just a bigger scale of it. We're moving to a different state. Um, we're starting fresh. We don't know anybody. Um, new new space, nice, really nice office space that we can really attract good talent, bring in clients, which we've never been able to do before. That, I think, is, is really what I'm looking forward to in the next six months. I think the company is going to see some hyper growth as well with some really big partners we locked in, but also just a different mindset. I think we're all going to be very motivated um, and motivated, it comes from a couple different places. It comes from 
uh, simply it is going to be a lot more expensive. I mean, at the very bone dry area, it's going to be a lot more expensive to, to live there and operate there. But that's very motivating for me and mm -hmm. Kyle. I mean, it is, it's, it, you know, it's our oxygen is to really focus on, we need to make, we need to be able to pay for everything. So let's work even harder. Mm -hmm. And then the motivation comes from a new spot, um, a lifestyle change. It's a lifestyle spot we're moving. It truly is an outdoor Mecca and yeah. we're super excited for the next six months. Awesome. Yeah. I'm really excited for you yeah, for all those reasons, that yeah. fresh start yeah. and, and Ben's a beautiful place. Yeah. What legacy do you want to leave oh, upon the God. world? Oh, my God. Positivity, 100%. I think back to like the passion-driven thing that I can fuel people with, you've got to be smiling. If you don't smile, you're not doing it right. I think if you're not happy and there's not a smile on your face every day, I know there's ups and downs, but there's always, always a positive that can come out of it. So high energy and positivity is definitely the legacy that I'll, I'll leave on the business world, but also like the personal life. I think you live that out and I mm -hmm. feel it. I'm not as positive as you, I would say. And uh, every time I interact with you, I'm walking away motivated. Yeah. I'm walking away with a smile. I'm walking away feeling mm -hmm. better. Uh, whether I'm at already at a you know normal point or at a pretty low, like you, you have that effect on people. So you're going to leave that legacy. So uh, Eli, thanks for joining yeah, us on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Well, that will do it for this episode. Thanks for listening to the Experience Speaks podcast powered by BizTalks. This is a new podcast and we'd love to hear your feedback. So please subscribe, rate, and review because it will help us create more of what you love. And it will help other ambitious career-minded listeners find this podcast. Experience Speaks is edited by John Chang. I'm your host, Sean Wolf. See you next week. Oh, oh, how dare we get it? Oh, oh.